Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Gang, is it here? Is it upon us? Are we embarking upon Plandemic Part 2? Could it be? Last week, I talked on the show about sort of my take on what we all should be doing and preparing for should they reinstate the insane notion of putting masks back on us and locking us down and doing all of the nonsensical things that they did three years ago when we had the first round of the pandemic. And it looks as though we are inching closer and closer to that. They've announced the new variant, as I talked about last week on the show. But this week, I wanted to really focus on the variables that might feel a little bit more out of our control. We have control over where we shop, uh, you know, what restaurants we choose to eat at. You know, I I don't shop at Target um, routinely, you know, um, well, really at all. But if if I'm going to Target and and they're going to make me put a mask on my face to go in, well, number one, I'm certainly not putting the mask on. Um, and if they're going to be that adamant about it, I'm turning around. I'm not shopping at Target. There's nothing that I need that desperately that I'm going to put a face diaper on and go into that store. Same with a restaurant. Like I can choose where I'm going to eat, what I'm going to do. But there are some of these variables that feel a little bit more out of our control. And one of those, I would say, are our kids' schooling system which I did talk about last week, but I'm just going to sort of empower you with some things that I've done and that I will do um, this year should they try to do that. And then the big one for me is our healthcare system. Things happen. Accidents happen. People need surgeries. People need to be hospitalized for various reasons, right? I am already seeing the writing on the wall about what hospitals are gearing up and preparing to do. And if we don't want to have this be a repeat of three years ago where people were dying alone in the hospital, where they were being given medications that were not working, that didn't work, that actually probably contributed to a lot of health problems. You know, what do we need to do to sort of prepare for that what if? And again, I'm not a doom and gloom person by any means. I just think it's always better to have a plan going into a situation than to wait, especially because I don't trust anyone. I don't trust anyone these days. 
So I have to go into every situation thinking, not necessarily that it's going to be worst case scenario, but I, I don't want to be caught with my pants down, if that makes sense. So, you know, I've been one of those people that has sort of stockpiled some food and I've stockpiled some other supplies and things just, just in case. Like, I think we're at a place now in our world where it's better to be on the prepared side than to not be, especially when fear takes over, especially when an emotional situation transpires, especially when you are in a hospital environment and there's so much unknown and you maybe feel uneducated or unsure about what's going on. It's always best to have a little bit of preparation. So that's what I just kind of want to talk about today and also point out some very interesting things that I found on the grand old interwebs as I was looking into some topics for this show that I think are just really, really interesting. And I don't think that a lot of us are aware of them. And I think that that is, of course, intentional. The less we know, the less we can sort of like fight back with knowledge. So I would hope Here's my hope. In talking about being prepared and going into the hospital and kind of what all of those things look like, I know for me personally, after what I saw, after what I experienced working in the hospital through COVID, I really told myself that my life's mission now was to never have to end up in the hospital. Never, ever, ever. I do not want to be there for any reason. And now I'm vain enough to admit that there are some aesthetic things that I would like to change about my body. There are some certain procedures that I would love to have done. And I cringe at the idea of having to be a part of a medical system for those, which I guess in the big scheme of things is good. It makes me more accepting of my body and the little flaws that I hate and, you know, all those little things that I could tweak here and there but I don't because I want to stay as far away as possible from any sort of hospital system. And I really hope it's, it's sort of this overarching hope and prayer that I have for humanity as we've walked out of the last three years that people maybe had a mentality shift that maybe even if they you know, aren't deep down in the rabbit holes like I am, but maybe they did see some things about our hospital and our healthcare system that made them go, ooh, that just doesn't seem right. Like, why would they do this? Why would they do that? Why would they not tell us about this? Why would they not help us access this? There were a lot of missteps through that whole process. And I, again, I think that some people saw it, others didn't, but overall, and now what we're seeing kind of on the tail end of things is that we all very much, and we always have, we've always had the power, right? To take care of our bodies, to heal our bodies, to use different methods and modalities for that. But I think we are reaching sort of this fever pitch kind of place where 
people are taking notice. People are incredibly more conscientious, whether that be about the foods that they're eating, the water that they're drinking, the supplements that they are taking, their activity that they're doing. And maybe if you're not as far on the spectrum as I am of not wanting to ever set foot in a hospital, that's okay. There's there's some of me out there. I don't think I'm the majority, but I definitely think that there are people out there that are thinking like me, like, Ooh, I am never going there if I don't have to. You know, maybe if I'm unconscious in an ambulance, I'll end up there, but otherwise, no. And then maybe there are those people that are just like, yeah, I, I need to get healthy. I need to make some lifestyle changes. I need to do some things that are going to help mitigate my risk for X, Y, and Z. And if one of those things is COVID, fantastic. If one of those reasons is, oh gosh, I really don't want to end up in the hospital, great. If one of those reasons is just weight loss and overall health, fantastic. Whatever we can do to optimize our bodies, to allow our bodies to be in the best shape and the best condition possible so that when things like the second round of the pandemic, a new variant, regular cold and flu season come around, our bodies are optimized. I've been working diligently on this. I've got tons of friends who have been working diligently on this and it is hard. So I I am not taking this like lightly that it is a challenge, that it does take energy and effort and focus to put yourself in that mindset of, yes, I want to make the change. And then these are all of the little tiny things that I can do to help that. And I feel like I have talked a lot about little things um, on different shows and surrounding different topics, but especially on one show where I talked kind of big picture about little things that I have done just around my house to reduce like exposure to chemicals and things. But I will just for the sake of this show, um, just kind of share with you some of the more like dietary things that I do and the supplemental things that I do. Again, um, it's just, it's for me. It's what I've researched. It's what I have found is best for myself. There's tons of literature out there. I I'm a reader. I'm a researcher. I look to the medical professionals that I sort of trust in today's, I don't know, in in this season that we're in, right, of people that kind of get it. You know, maybe if you want to say like the, maybe my team or they see a lot of the same stuff, I'm going to trust their opinion in conjunction with some of my own research and, and reading that I do. In no way, shape or form is this medical advice. So I encourage you to always, you know, double check what I say and look at it from your perspective or even talk to your own healthcare professional about it. But some of the things that I have done and implemented into my regular routine are morning exercise. So I used to, I used to, I've been really good about working out for the last few years, very, very diligent working out really no less than like four times a week. And I typically just do weights. 
I like to lift. I like to lift heavy and that feels really good for my body. Also, as a tall and thin framed woman, I am automatically at higher risk for things like osteopenia and osteoporosis and weight bearing exercise is incredible for prevention of those sort of bone um, issues and fragility uh, later on in life. So there's tons of benefits that come from weightlifting and doing those types of exercises. I have switched to going to the morning, which I didn't think I would be a morning workout person. I do love my sleep, but I'm also, again, very good about going to bed early. And that allows me then to get up early with still getting enough hours of sleep in. I have found that my energy feels a little bit better through the day, which I'm sure if you are somebody that's listening that has always worked out in the morning, that's kind of maybe like a, like a duh moment for you, right? Like, well, yeah, of course you've got more energy. You just sort of feel better. Um, but for me, I didn't really know how I would feel about that. What I will tell you is that because I'm working out in the morning, I'm not eating as much. I do eat before I go to the gym or have like a protein shake, but I don't, I maybe notice that I don't feel quite as strong. I feel like when I was working out in the afternoon, I had sort of a day's worth of food in me and I could get to the gym and I felt just kind of like, I don't know, maybe more powerful or more strong. So that's something that I'm working through, but working out and working out in the morning and lifting weights. Those are things that are like kind of non-negotiables now for my life and for my like health routine. I have also been very, very diligent about the supplements that I have incorporated into my daily habit and daily routine. And of course, when you are looking into supplements, you want to look at the sort of other ingredients, um, quality standards, things of that nature. So like I said, you do your research or if you already take supplements that you're taking, great. Or there's a brand that you like, that's fantastic. I'm not telling you, you know, of course, what to take or what brand to take. But just for me and based off of, again, the research that I've done and what the like-minded physicians out there are kind of talking about some things that I found very beneficial. And I do, I do notice that I feel good. I'm sort of boosting my immune system as we're headed into what I like to call low vitamin D season, even here in Arizona versus like cold and flu season. But I take routinely on a weekly basis, I take a high dose vitamin D and now there are other vitamin Ds that you can take daily. I just take a higher dose so that I only take it once a once a week. I take vitamin A, which is powerhouse for your immune system. I take zinc, also powerhouse for your immune system. I take vitamin C, which we all know, vitamin C, you know, that's that's like the a pretty standard one, right? You start to get sick. You start to maybe get the sniffles. You get that tickle in the back of your throat. And what's the first thing someone will say to you? Oh, go get some vitamin C. Make sure you take your vitamin C. Um, we all, that's kind of the standard, right? So of course I take some vitamin C. I also take a 
um, a fruit and vegetable supplement so that I can make sure I am getting the nutrients that come from fruits and vegetables. And now there's a lot of talk, I think, especially lately, um, well, within the last couple of years anyways, and I think I've been more maybe in tune to it about just how actually nutrient deficient a lot of our vegetables are because we look at the soil and the soil doesn't have the same level of um, you know, minerals and nutrients that it used to have. And that's, you know, by nature of pesticides and, you know, over farming and all of the things, right? So over time, those just decrease. And so I like to take a specific vegetable and a specific fruit one and make sure that I get all of the benefits out of those. I also take quercetin on a routine basis, And I know that there was a lot of talk and there was some literature out there about quercetin being beneficial when you actually had COVID and sort of that upper respiratory, maybe even some kind of chest tightness, things of that nature that quercetin was almost helpful in alleviating some of that. Um, I started just taking it routinely. So that's something that's just in my pill bottle and I just take it and it's kind of, it's it's just on board, right? It's just on board. Um, The other thing that I do, which I, I don't know, may or may not be surprising, but I take a weekly prophylactic dose of ivermectin. And... So much talk about ivermectin and in the last, you know, few years, I don't think anybody knew what it was. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, it was in the news and it got a bad rap and it was called horse medicine and you were a Looney Tune if you were even considering taking it. Well, now we look at some literature that's come out from the FDA recently saying that oh no, maybe it was beneficial in treating early COVID symptoms and maybe it could have helped people, this, that, and the other thing. There's so much more to it, I personally think. And you, again, go do your research. I encourage people to research. I could literally give it all to you, but that's not fun. That's not fun for me. You should go out and you should dig and it's sort of the thrill of the hunt and kind of that discovery, which is, that's that's the fun part. The fun part is the discovery. So go and kind of look, look at, look at ivermectin and what else it has been associated with in helping and healing and potentially treating. I think you're going to be fascinated by it. And I would render a guess that it is also one of the reasons why the powers that be and the orchestrators of all of this were so quick to write it off as not only a treatment for COVID, but if it's on board, does it in fact help prevent or treat other things? Food for thought there, right? Like, did they want us to not have it just for this one thing Or did they not want us to have it because it could potentially help with a myriad of other things? 
I tend to think the latter. So again, in doing my research and looking at some um, just other literature and things that have been said, it it's safe. Um, the studies indicate that it can be beneficial for other things. So I take a relatively low dose just once a week. And now a lot of the restrictions have been lifted off of ivermectin so you can actually obtain it whereas a couple years ago you couldn't so if that is something that you look into and you're interested in that it's now more readily available than it was a couple of years ago um some other things that i do i like to do a good detox bath every now and again I think, you know, our skin, we underestimate our skin and how much power it has of absorbing things, but not only, you know, absorption, but also getting rid of things through our skin. And there are a couple of different recipes out there for detox baths. And I like to do a little bit. So super hot water is what I do, kind of as hot as your body can tolerate. And I like to do aluminum-free baking soda. We'll make sure it's aluminum-free. The Arm & Hammer stuff that you are going to get in the grocery store contains aluminum, which you're not going to want to soak in that. So aluminum-free baking soda and some natural bentonite clay. And these are just a couple of the little ingredients that you can toss into your bath super hot water, soak for, you know, as long as you, as long as you t can tolerate or, you know, make it your, your self-care night and light a candle or have your glass of wine or read a book or do whatever you like. But I also like to incorporate those as part of sort of a whole kind of a whole body detox, right? It's super important to think about not only the stuff we put in, but then also the stuff that we need to sort of get rid of. And all of this is in an attempt for me personally to maintain a level of like homeostasis. Don't don't allow myself to have sort of like a chink in the armor, right? Where you get run down or where your immune system is compromised. Stay as bolstered as you can can stay as healthy as you can all the time so that then when things like the potential next round of the Rona rolls on into town, you're already ready. You've started that protective wall going up early with all the things on board so it's more routine and more maintenance. And then it's also it's also one of those things that I think about, you know, every winter and, you know, when kids go back to school and we get this quote unquote cold and flu season and everyone goes out and gets their flu shots and then they're shedding like crazy all of all over all of us that don't get flu shots. Like, no wonder we're gonna see an increase in maybe people getting sick or feeling under the weather. Like it's, it's sort of this kind of like toxic soup of everything. 
So if you can do what you can do to prepare to head into those really it's seasons that we know about, they come around every year, you have the potential to be much better off and keep yourself out of the hospital, which we're going to talk about in the second half of the show. Some advice, some things that I would suggest that you do to be prepared for, some things to keep your eyes out for um, if and when that situation might arise for you or your family member. And we'll also talk a little bit about school when we come back for the second half of the show. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're going to take a quick break and hear some words from our incredible sponsors. We'll be right back. It's time and this is This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. While the cancel culture destroys our history, bringing crime and terror to city streets, America Out Loud News will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, welcome back. Second half of the show underway. If you're just tuning in, welcome, welcome. First half of the show, I just gave like a really broad overview on things that I am doing to bolster my own health and well-being and as a result, hopefully never have to set foot 
in the hospital as a patient. Sort of my life mission now, after exiting the hospital system, after seeing what has been done, I'm like, "Uh, I'm never going back. I can't do it. Not in any capacity. Certainly, I don't want to be a patient. And that has me thinking that sometimes those situations are unavoidable, right? Accidents happen. Um, people need to have surgeries. People do need to have treatments for things. I totally get it. So my attitude is if I'm fortunate enough to not end up in one of those situations, amazing. I'm also going to do everything that I can possibly do for my health and for my body to just be good, just to maintain. Um, and when I say maintain, I don't mean necessarily like mediocrity or I'm just doing okay. It's that it's that sort of leveling out. Like I don't, I don't want real valleys in my health, right? Like I don't want to feel, oh gosh, I'm getting sick. Okay. Now I feel good again. Oh gosh, I'm getting sick. No, I want to feel good all the time. I want to feel optimized all the time. So that's when I talk about, you know, that, that maintenance is that I'm, I'm leveled up and I'm preparing myself, but I really, I don't want to dip. And I don't think that I'm going to dip because I'm doing all of these things to sort of bolster and, and help my immune system. And it isn't just physical, right? It's also mental. Um, it's spiritual, it's emotional. So I do a lot of those things too, but I think, I think for a lot of us, the physical is the real big hurdle. It's hard to eat a healthy diet. It is. It's so incredibly hard. It's hard to have the, I guess, discipline. Discipline is the word I like to use. The discipline to get up, to get your body moving, whether that be a walk, whether that be hula hooping, whether that be jump roping, whether whatever that is to get your body moving. It is hard. It's hard to do that. But again, if we can optimize, we have the potential to avoid some maybe future sticky situations. So I want to talk about the schools really quick because I think for a lot of us, we feel like our hands are tied because we send our children to public schools. And so if they are going to maybe implement some things at our public schools, we feel like, oh gosh, I can't really say anything. This is just where my kid goes. They have to kind of like fall in line. Wrong-o, wrong-o, wrong-o. Um, we all have to remember, and again, not to sound like a broken record, but I've talked about it on the show before, like there's more of us than there are of them. And we, we hold all of the power, like schools only make money. Teachers only get paid if students are in the seats. If students are not in the seats, they do not get their monies. We hold all the power. Now, is it a potential inconvenience for us as parents to say, okay, hey guys, listen, uh, kids are going on strike for a week if they try to put masks back on our kids. Keep your kids out of school for a week. Do it. They lose some funding real quick. But we have that power. Probably wouldn't even take a week. We could probably accomplish it in two days. So if you're a parent out there and you're nervous, here's my first um, suggestion to you is work diligently to find your like-minded parents. I think they're speaking up now more. 
they're a little bit more open and bold and not worried about the criticisms that I think that they, you know, potentially were a couple of years ago and formulate your plan. So, you know, draft uh, the standard email that says, you know, send it to uh, the principal, the vice principal, any of your kids' teachers, and just make it very, very clear that your child is not going to be participating in any potential COVID policies, whether that be masking, whether that be testing, whether that be social distancing, whether, I mean, anything, they are not participating. Make it very clear. The more parents that do that, they then know what the pushback is going to be like. But again, they only get paid if there are students in those seats. So if you do get some pushback, you know, in that same cohort of parents, start preparing. Okay, if we keep our kids out of school for a week, hey, can you take Monday? Yep, I got Monday. Drop all the kids off here. We'll still do maybe a little lesson plan or whatever, but I can cover Monday. Can you cover Tuesday? Five, five families. That's all it would take. Take five families to potentially host a mini little homeschool dates each day with kids being held out. And it would work. I have faith that it would work. Because what it's also going to do is it's going to set the example. So for the parents that maybe are still on the fence about like, oh gosh, do I push back? Do I not? Do I just tell my kid, hey, like if your mask falls off your face, like don't really worry about it. Like you can wear it on your chin, blah, 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 blah. No, they're going to see that example set forth. It's going to be all over Snapchat. You know that. You know it's getting everywhere. Those kids that are going to boycott, it's going to get everywhere and it'll catch on like wildfire. And chances are those kids have parents like me that have engaged conversations with my child about what's happening. Hey, how's it going? What's the... What's the deal at school? Who's into what? If my kiddo saw that come across on his Snapchat, you better believe that he's coming to me and going, Mom, you're not going to believe this. It'll spread like wildfire. So start now. Start formulating your plan. Start formulating your group. Start getting that in motion ahead of time. It's okay to, it's okay to have that be in place. Again, set the record straight. If nothing ends up happening, great, even better. I would rather have that email on file with the principal saying my child is not doing any of this and then have nothing come about it versus not have that email on file and then have all this stuff come down and be fighting what would feel like an uphill battle. I'm not doing that. I don't do uphill battles anymore. I do preparation. So just one little way that you can be prepared. And I will tell you, my child went to public school all through COVID and did not wear a mask once. Not once. 
it can be done. Stand firm in your convictions. And that's just one way to be prepared. So now let's talk about the hospital, shall we? Ooh, my least favorite conversation. I think I am getting, I'm, I'm getting somewhat, um, how do I want to phrase this? Like, I'm not so triggered. I hate that word, but I'm not so triggered anymore talking about the hospital like I used to be. I can still get pretty fired up. I'm sure that all of you are surprised if you've listened to me for more than one show, me getting fired up. Um, yeah, it happens. But I... I just, I'm scared for, I'm scared for the people that go into those situations and are victims of the superiority complex that almost everyone in a hospital environment has. We know that about the doctors, right? And now again, there are many physicians that I worked with that I absolutely adore. I think they're incredible humans. I think they're incredible practitioners. But what I think happened is that they themselves also fell victim to a system, to imposed rules and regulations. And we saw how incredibly hard it was to speak up we saw what was happening to people's medical licenses. The absolute just decimation of someone's character because they dared to ask some questions or dared to speak out. So I, I mean, I do get it. I do get it. But we've all, we all should have learned. We all should have learned. Like round two, we can't let that happen again. So if you have to go to the hospital for any reason, for any reason, prior to going to the hospital, I would assign a medical power of attorney. I would just have that, have your bases covered. And remember, a medical power of attorney cannot do anything on your behalf unless you become incapacitated and cannot make decisions for yourself. So I would appoint a medical power of attorney. I personally, if I were married, I would not necessarily have my spouse be my medical power of attorney. And I know that that sounds weird, but and maybe this just comes from like my medical background and seeing things and experiencing things. But sometimes when it's your spouse or, you know, a child or something like that, like the emotions run super high in a situation in which they need to be your voice. If you are, you know, intubated or if you are unresponsive or any of those things, that person you know, needs to carry out your wishes, but that can be a little bit hard being in that position. So just some food for thought on who you select, but I would appoint a medical power of attorney. I would also have somebody that you know 
is not afraid to get their claws out and make a little noise should things not be going the way that you were told they were going to go. And this can be the same person or it can be a separate person. This is more like your patient advocate, right? This is going to be that person that is going to call the nurse's station, is going to ruffle feathers, is going to stay on top of things, is going to record conversations, is going to document everything. I would have somebody in your corner ready to do that. It's better safe than sorry. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that when you are admitted to the hospital, really for any reason, whether that be coming in through the emergency room or if you are coming in for surgery and you're either in outpatient surgery or you are going to be an inpatient, means you're going to be admitted after that surgery. The hospital starts planning your discharge upon admission. And I know that that sounds weird, but it's it's part of how they look at the whole patient, you know, input and 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 follow through and and output and and discharge. So part of that job for the patient advocate or yourself is when you set foot in the hospital, ask your nurse, ask your physician, what is the goal for discharge? Make them have that conversation with you about when you think you're going to leave, even though you've got, you just got there. Mentally, what that is going to do for you as a patient is give you a target goal. Okay, so they said, you know, three days from now. Great. You now should be working to do everything that you can do in your power as a patient to hit that goal of three days. And your advocate or your medical power of attorney can hold your team accountable for doing all of the things that they need to do to diagnose, treat, testing, interventions, everything that needs to be done during your hospital stay to reach that goal of out of there in three days. It is imperative because the last thing that you want to do is end up in a hospital not knowing when you're supposed to be leaving. Especially, especially if they re-implement any of the insane measures that they tried to, that they did, not, it wasn't tried, that they did implement last time, like patients being alone. That is insane. We put prisoners in solitary confinement 
as like a form of torture. Just think about that for a second. It's punishment. Punishment to be alone. And they did this to patients in their most vulnerable states, in a state of sickness, in a state of illness, in a state of unwell. They made them be alone. And if you're alone with no sense of when you're getting out, the absolute havoc that that wreaks on you is beyond. So again, medical power of attorney, patient advocate, they can be the same, they can be different. I suggest having them be different. And make sure your patient advocate is somebody that is spicy. Find that spicy friend. Find the one that's got a chip on their shoulder, that's not intimidated by someone in a lab coat, that's not intimidated by a, a hospital administrator who may or may not have ever done patient care. <laughs> Find somebody that will literally fight on your behalf. Ask them your discharge date when you're admitted. Even if you think you know. Even if you think you know, ask them. Hold them accountable. Hold yourself accountable to do all the things that you need to do to make sure that you hit that milestone. Now, if in the event that, so that was kind of my, I suggest having all of those things in general. I also suggest having those things in place, especially if you think that you have COVID and you're going to go into the hospital for COVID treatment. Even more imperative. The other thing is, is that what is more than likely going to happen in the hospitals is that they will reinstate all of the things that they did years before, a couple years ago. They'll make everybody wear masks. They will isolate patients. They'll do the, the most ridiculous ridiculous measures. Let me give you an example. A family member could come to the pre-op waiting area, but they could not come back into pre-op and sit with their family member before they went in for surgery. I'll say it's, I'll say it again, maybe even a little slower. So we can all try to rationalize and conceptualize just how moronic this is. So you can have a family member wait in the waiting area with you while you're waiting until you get called back into pre-op. And then we call you as the patient back into pre-op and we get you all prepped and ready, but your family doesn't get to come back into pre-op with you. Huh. They were just with you in the waiting room. So now they don't get to talk to the doctor. They don't get to see the surgeon. They don't get to meet the operating room team. They don't get to talk to the anesthesiologist. Hmm. It doesn't seem like 
patient family-centered care to me. So if they start implementing those things, this if, if you take anything away from this show and from my hour-long rant and monologue, it is this. Healthcare providers take an oath of first do no harm. And I think it's so easy for us to, to translate that into um, physical harm, right? Like you make a med error, you injure a patient, a patient falls off of the operating room table, you operate on the wrong body part, um, you know, administered the wrong med, first do no harm. All of these things that the hospitals implement and implemented did do harm. I am empowering every single one of you as an individual and every person that's in your circle that you might touch to arm yourself with the phrase, and it doesn't have to be these exact words, but whomever is going to make you wear a mask in the hospital that don't that, that they don't do anything anyways they don't work they don't prevent anything and if anything they have the potential to cause more harm than they do do good if they want to isolate patients and keep them away from their families That also does harm. If they want to use medications, which there's a new medication that everyone should know about. It's called Gohibic. I think that's the, the way that you pronounce it. G-O-H-I-B-I-C. And it was just granted emergency youth authorization on April 4th. Hmm. That's weird. April? That's weird. It's almost like they knew. Considering the first emergency declaration expired on May 11th of 2023. Did you know that? That's also weird. So April, new medication. May, the emergency expires. It's almost like they're just getting ready for a new emergency to be declared. Yet I digress. This new medication has been approved. And I know you're going to be shocked by this, but it's only for intubated patients. <laughs> it's to be started within 48 hours of intubation. Hmm. But if memory serves me correct, we were seeing patients die that were intubated. We actually found that intubation wasn't beneficial for COVID patients. So that's weird that they would create, manufacture, test, emergency use authorization, a medication that's only good in conjunction with mechanical ventilation. 
bizarre. Could that medication do harm? Probably. So back to my statement of how you can empower yourself and how you cannot participate in these things that the hospital is going to want you to participate in is to remind them of their oath. Remind them that they took an oath to first do no harm and tell them emphatically that the measures that they are implementing are doing you harm. You are harming me. By you forcing me to wear this mask, you are harming me. By you isolating me away from my friends and my family, my pastor, <laughs> humans, you are harming me. And document it. Record conversations. Take notes. Upon admission, request a copy of your medical records to be compiled for time of discharge. Remind them of their oath. That would have absolutely crushed me if someone would have looked at me and told me, I am doing them harm. Oof. I can't even imagine. Absolutely brutal. Say that to every single person that you come in contact with. Your floor nurse, your physician, the charge nurse, the clinical director. Go as high up that chain as you possibly can. Remind them of their oath and inform them that these measures are violating that oath and that you, in fact, are experiencing harm from those interventions. My biggest piece of advice, in addition to the other ones that I gave earlier. So boost your immune system. Get active, eat right, get some sun on your face, on your skin. Do all the things to be optimized so that hopefully you can avoid being in a situation where you have to go to the hospital. But if you do have to go, be empowered. Go in with a plan. Have your medical power of attorney. Have your patient advocate. Ask them when your anticipated discharge date is so that holds them accountable, holds you accountable, keeps things moving. And lastly, and most importantly, remind them of their oath to first do no harm. Set yourself up for success. Set yourself up to not be put in harm's way by policies and procedures that were put in place by people that have a very sinister agenda.
and you'll come out on top. I think you will. So that's all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we're here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. And join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.